Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's episode is called Jane Campion, Always Fearless. It's by Stuff National Correspondent Michelle Duff, who joins me now. Hi, Michelle. Kia ora, Michael. Thanks for having me. I feel like it's I've neglected you somehow. You should have been on the long read earlier than this, but I'm pleased you're here now. Look, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it was starting to get a bit embarrassing. But It was, you know get, it was becoming an issue. It was. <laughs> We're past it now. Um, Jane Campion, her name is in the title, and I think everybody probably knows who she is, but just in case uh, anyone doesn't, who's Jane Campion? So Jane Campion is a highly successful New Zealand filmmaker. The films that you would know her for are The Piano, which is the 1993 period drama starring Holly Hunter and Sam Neill. And uh, there was a series, Top of the Lake, which you can find now on TVNZ. And also, most recently, The Power of the Dog, where she won a slew of awards, including the Oscar for Best Director. Yeah, and she was made a dame in 2016 for services to film. So you mentioned a couple of things there now. We're writing about, or you wrote a story about her now. One, because she's won an Oscar. She's made this outstanding movie, Power of the Dog. And one other thing, tell us about that. Yeah, so Campion has now been made an arts foundation icon, which means she joins a circle of 20 living artists. It's kind of like a... um, I don't know how you'd explain it, like a coven of New Zealand's most known and most successful artists, uh, sort of just to honour her, you know, decades of of artistic work, I suppose. Coven is good. We can go with coven. I was really excited to be uh, given the opportunity to interview Jane, actually, because she is such a legend in New Zealand film, and she was the first woman to win the... Cannes Film Festival Palme d'Or, which is their main prize for best film in 1993, the first woman to to win that. And she's really, you know, blazed a trail for directors and for women in film ever since then. Mm. So I was pretty nervous, actually, to be honest, Michael, going into my interview with her. Yeah, she's in a category of one when it comes to that, like for what she's done from New Zealand. There's no one else. There's no one else like her, male or female, really. Taika Waititi, I suppose. Now? Yeah, we definitely do punch above our weight, I think, when it comes to filmmakers here. Taika Waititi, and we have, of course, Peter Jackson. and Yeah, I probably forgot him. Whoops. <laughs> I haven't seen Lord of the Rings. Sorry, New Zealand. Have you not? No. Have you seen... It's not my thing. Have you seen The Piano? Yes. And I have seen... I've seen Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures is really good. Okay, I've seen yeah. a couple of Jackson things. Yeah. It's just, yeah, Lord of the Rings is not, not for me. I haven't seen Power of the Dog either. Whoopsie. I rewatched a lot of Jane Campion's films and series in the writing of this piece. And I have to say, coming out of that, like, I, I would recommend it. She's got the, the way that she looks at, like, they call it the female gaze, right? You know, the way that she looks at men and the way that her characters sort of relate to other people and the way that they move in space it's it's very before Jane started doing it you, we didn't really see that in film mm. yeah you'll know listeners will hear in the middle of the story that that exact idea the female gaze and that the all of her films are from that perspective 
Yeah, well, and, and until you see it, until you watch her films, you you don't know. That, I guess it's something that you don't know that's missing until you watch it, and you think mm. there's something. You know, there's something about this film that's really striking, and and the thing is that it's told by a woman, and you know, it, it would be nice if we existed in a world where the gender of our directors and or ethnicity or race of our storytellers didn't matter, but it does, you know, and it's um, the fact that she's managed to to do so much and for for women, both in, in how we the stories can be told and in what's possible and, and where it's possible for women to direct. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to, to actually put that into words, really. You've spoken to Jane Campion. We had a story a few weeks, maybe a couple of months ago, where we featured Melanie Linsky, who was nominated for an Emmy at that point and was sort of finally getting her dues for being excellent, having been excellent for a long time. And she, in that story, and a little bit Jane Campion in this story, and I want to ask you about this, addressed this point of women in Hollywood, post-Weinstein, this idea of talking about the fact that you are getting recognition for being a woman in this field and how you deal with that question. It seems to be a thing that some people want to talk about, some others don't want to talk about. It's great that we're talking about this. I don't want to get sidetracked by my gender. This is just about the work, that sort of thing. And Jane sort of talks about this in your, in the story. What What's her take on that? I'm interested to, to hear. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that she sort of talked about it in the story because for me, you know, most of what we talked about, you know, in the first 10 to 20 minutes of our interview, she just talked about what it was like for her as a young woman trying to break into the film industry. You know, people would not turn up to meetings or they wouldn't take her work seriously. Even when she started, uh, you know, directing in her first films, it was difficult to get actors to listen to her. So this is something that she's always come up against, you know, and for her she was pretty open about that, which, you know, I found quite refreshing really because – you know, I, I've talked to people in the past, you know, famous actors or uh, writers who, who haven't wanted to talk about that. And I, I suppose I just think, well, it's impossible to erase gender. The fact that you're a woman is who you are and you'll be treated differently because of it. So she was very open about that. And I thought that that was quite refreshing. It's kind of good to hear people not not trying to pretend that it's not that it's not an issue because, you know, it, it clearly still is. Is she someone who finds that sort of thing tiresome, having to deal with or talk about or be asked about the idea of your, your gender as part of who you are and what you do? Or is she okay with just doing what she does and, and ignoring that shit when she needs to? Do you know, I feel like people think that they can't talk about it or they try and ignore it because in this, like, male-dominated profession like sort of filmmaking or or a lot of industries it's like pretending that gender doesn't exist as a way that you can push past it you know mm. but for her I mean I got the feeling with Jane that she <laughs> that she I mean she's a very uh she's a very unique person you know she told me that she's never really struggled with self-doubt around her work and she's never really wanted to play nice with with men when you know or, or try and convince them that what she's doing is the right thing when she knows it's the right thing and that's the the headline of the story she's always been fearless you know I think that's kind of what it's taken for her to to push through in in this profession is she but she does say it does say also that she's always surrounded herself 
with women who are really allies to her, who she trusts and who have had her back. So, yeah, it hasn't been easy, but but I think that in, in talking about it, she's kind of lifting the veil, as it, as it were, almost doing a service to, to those who are, have been through it or, or are going to be going through it, yeah. Let's hear her talk about it now. Thanks, Michelle. A quick warning, Jane Campion likes to swear a bit, but here is Michelle reading her story, Jane Campion, Always Fearless. There was a time when Jane Campion cared desperately about being loved. We all read the same fairy tales. Women are found or rescued, opaque until a man colours them in. They are objects of affection, the end of a quest. I'm of that vintage that felt it very difficult to love myself without a man loving me, Campion says on a recent evening at Wellington's Museum Hotel. That's really distorted, I think, but it's real for women. I know lots of young women still feel like that, and I really understand wanting to get out of it, because it's such a trap. Being a woman was a problem at the beginning of Campion's career. For men. On the set of her first feature film, Two Friends, she turned to see the camera crew using toilet rolls as viewfinders. I had trouble with the actors, she says. Even just getting them to do anything as a young woman director, it was incredible. An ABC executive tried to tell her boss, Australian filmmaker Jan Chapman, that he could send over two talented guys instead, who would be less trouble. Chapman, an ally, ignored him. The pitfalls of breaking into an industry where men tell the stories has easily filled the first 10 minutes of this interview unbidden. You win a job, she says, and people try to take it from you. Wrestling the camera from men was one thing. Since then, in a career spanning more than four decades, Campion, 68, has created an oeuvre that centres women and interrogates what it means to be human. She's already a dame and she's about to be made an arts foundation icon, joining a circle of 20 living artists. On the eve of this occasion, it is difficult to put into words how groundbreaking and influential her work is, so I will do it in three. Mark Ruffalo's penis. I was 20 when In the Cut came out, and I left the cinema feeling seen. In film studies later, they called it the female gaze, but all I knew was Campion's erotic thriller starring Meg Ryan and Ruffalo stoked something in me. Maybe that's what sex and desire feels like when you've never seen it reflected back at you. Subversive, as if someone has taken a powerful secret and thrown it out into the world. Like, are you sure we're allowed to be watching this? That film tanked. They had a really rocky landing, Campion says in her direct fashion. People hated it, especially guys. I liked it, but I accepted they didn't. In the Cut has been subject to revisionist readings since, praising its feminist examination of vulnerability and pleasure. It was pretty painful at the time, Campion says, but I remember thinking, okay, I think this is a good time to take a four-year break. Was that really the impetus? Well, she says, it's easy to take a break when nobody wants you to work for them because you just did a film that sucked. If you've just made a film like Power of the Dog, People are always asking you to do things. Campion was raised by thespian parents Richard and Edith in the Wellington suburb of Thorndon 
attending rehearsals with her dad and staging plays with her sister, Anna. She attended Queen Margaret College, which was horrible, she says. I had too many problems with the school's authoritarian style and conservatism. I think they felt I needed to be broken. I was just skirting the rules all the time. She'd wag school for the city library, reading art books in the reference room. This is still somewhere she goes when starting a new project. I think the noble artists are the ones that do what they do because they just have to. The painters, the musicians, they inspire me. I go to their work. It's a place to begin. A switch to Wellington Girls made her happier. There, no one would say the answer in class, even though they all knew it, she says. It was much more my style. After art school in Venice, a year in London and a fine arts degree in Sydney, she enrolled in film school where she focused on short films. I knew I had to come out with something to show because I didn't seem to be able to command respect as a person, Campion says. I think people thought I was a bit of a blonde bombshell. What I was finding out at film school was, if I can learn to make something that I love, would anyone else love it? Is that still what she does? Yeah, pretty much, she says. You're trying to do what you want to do, but at the same time make it accessible. Campion's interested in complex characters and their relationships. Black and white is boring. There are no true villains. Power of the Dog is a psychological western that has netted her a slew of awards, including an Oscar for Best Directing. Her favourite scene is where toxic cowboy Phil, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, runs a silky scarf over his skin in a sunlit glade. You see he's had a lover, Campion says. He has a yearning heart. The film starts to dive into that territory where we don't know where it's going to go. Set against the vast backdrop of rural Montana, played here by a sultry South Island, the intimacy of Power of the Dog is painfully oppressive. It's like they're a raft in the ocean on that ranch, Campion explains. It's really claustrophobic, especially emotionally. In The Piano, Holly Hunter's Ada is likewise marooned, resisting the mud, Sam Neill's abusive settler Alastair, or the pull of the ocean itself. Many of Campion's works are adaptations, and translating tension from the page means attention is paid to every gesture. In Power of the Dog, she employed New Zealand choreographer Ross McCormick to teach the male actors to dance together, to get used to the movement of each other's bodies. They don't dance on screen. Until now, Campion has never made a film with a male lead, but repressed gay homophobe Phil is caught in the same currents as Campion's women, who are broken and strong and desirous in worlds where hypermasculinity, misogyny and the patriarchy box them in. And we've met this alpha male character before, most overtly in the 2013 TV series Top of the Lake, where Campion used the character of Matt Mitchum, played by Peter Mullen, as a conduit to explore the way society places older women's sexuality. There's this kind of man, Campion says. The way they think of women is anyone who is post-menopausal is like, unfuckable. I thought, ugh, no one wants to look at that. Why don't I do it? Because that's where I am. I'm part of the unfuckables. I think there's a real freedom in getting out of that idea 
that your self-worth is tied up somehow in how men regard you sexually. It's a big liberation, actually, not to care. When did she stop caring? I think when I confronted it, really, she says, was top of the lake. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. In her work, Campion says she's never suffered from self-doubt. I get energised by the joy of trying to make things work, she says, and when I'm in that state, I don't have any fear. Later, when I actually screen the films, I'm pretty terrified, so it's not like I'm a psychopath who doesn't experience fear. Has it become harder the further along she is in her career? She takes a moment to contemplate. They talk about this in Zen, she says. For a beginner, there are limitless possibilities, and for an expert, very few. That can be in play unless you really mess with it and go, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something so different, it's going to be like I'm a beginner. For Power of the Dog, she immersed herself in preparation with director of photography Ali Wigner, so they thought in the style of the piece, and encouraged her actors to embody their characters. Working with actors is her super strength, she says. I'm so on their side. While she's decisive on set, she can find everyday choices excruciating. I've got furnitureitis. I can't figure out what couch I want or trying to find the right material and colour for a window seat cover. Oh my God. There are always so many decision opportunities, even going to the supermarket. Like, get some soap? There's like 30 brands. I have to look at all of them to check out which one is really good. They might be conning me, you know. Campion won't read this story and says she doesn't listen to praise or bad reviews. I don't really get involved in the criticism because it's not even really about me. My question is just like, am I allowed to do the next thing? Recently, she faced accusations of arrogance and racism when she told Serena and Venus Williams while on stage accepting an award You do not have to play against the guys like I have to, in reference to her male-heavy category. She apologised swiftly. I did not intend to devalue these two legendary black women and world-class athletes. The last thing I would ever want to do is minimise remarkable women. What was she thinking? I just got a little bit dizzy and excited, Campion says. I'd had COVID beforehand, 
and to be out again and to be in the room with those two amazing icons, I was just a little bit overexcited and I thought I had a cute joke, but it was actually flat-footed. And there's people looking to gun at you, you know. I accept the criticism and I'm just really glad that Venus reached out to me afterwards and said that she took it for the joke that it was and was never offended. That's the only thing that really bothered me. And when I knew that she didn't feel upset at all and I'd apologised, I thought, I'm not going to make myself sick over this stumble, this learning. However, Campion thinks the cultural moment encourages division. The culture has changed, she says. It's become very difficult to say anything. If someone can create a stir out of repeating something on Twitter or wherever they will, it can be monetized. They'll try to discredit you. It's not that I'm excusing myself, but there are a lot of aspects to it. I think it's really stomping on discussion, and I hope it's a stage in an evolving world because you can't go on like that. So much of Campion's work is inspired by wanting women to be the centre of their own stories. I ask if she thinks it's okay to tell a story if you're not from that community. In the years since The Piano, the award-winning 1993 film has copped criticisms for one-dimensional portrayals of Māori, with actor Cliff Curtis saying he felt like the black drop. Campion says Waiharoi Shortland worked closely with Māori actors and on dialogue. I loved working with the young Māori actors that I worked with, and I felt really lucky I had Waiharoi in there. She still feels she approached it respectfully. I mean, I take those criticisms. I was really zoning in on my area that I did know well, the woman's experience, which was Holly Hunter's character. It was an imaginative exercise. In general, she doesn't think an artist needs to have lived an experience to tell that story. What I don't like is an apartheid-type situation where only men can make stories with men in them and only women with women. It's ridiculous, actually. It's about the capacity to do something very well and really imagine into that space and do your research. In the end, you go, does it feel authentic? And if it's badly made, then that's the answer. However, I do think it's a moment in time where everyone has to be a little more sensitive and thoughtful and more respectful of differences as well as inclusive, and that can't be bad. Arts Foundation General Manager Jessica Palalagi says Campion was asked to join the Circle of Icons because she continuously pushed the boundaries of her art form. She's always been challenging and headstrong, Palalagi says, an absolute powerhouse. It was an affirmation of her work rather than a full stop, she says. If anything, it's like, keep going. We see you. We want everyone to know how significant your work is, but you have so much more to give. Campion is grateful to have made Power of the Dog, a strong film, stronger even than anything I've made before, she says, at what she calls the end of her career. Wait, will she keep making films? I don't know, she says. Right now I feel it's time to give back. I'm the grown-up in the room now, you know. She's doing that by running her own pop-up film intensive in Wellington next year, to which she's had 314 applicants for just 10 positions. She's happy with her headquarters in Pukerua Bay, north of Wellington, with her partner, who she won't talk about, and close to her daughter, Alice Englert, also a director. She practices the Chinese movement-based system of Qigong, which is now her main form of self-care. Her daughter is entering a post-Weinstein film industry that's changed irrevocably, although there will always be more barriers. 
There's pushback as well, she says, but it could never be as bad as it was. There's no longer that idea that women can't really direct, and there's only a few that should be out there with the guys. That's all gone. I wouldn't say it's equal, but I would say there's a perception that women do things really well and that they really know how to connect to audiences. Whatever she does next, Campion feels at the top of her game, and there are always more possibilities. In your 60s and 70s, it's a really powerful time, she says, because you have a lot of knowledge behind you and wisdom really comes together with capacity. I'm always examining myself and thinking, this could be better. I'm not complacent. I'm always striving to do something that is excellent or beautiful, something that moves me and I didn't even know I could do. So that's the bar. That was Jane Campion, Always Fearless, on the long read from Stuff, written and read by Michelle Duff and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz/support.